Voice of Hope podcast. Conversations, stories, advice from the autism community for the autism community. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Peace of Hope. We are so excited to welcome Nick from Autism Rock Support Center. He is a BCBA in Dubai and an admin from the ABA study group. Welcome, Nick. Tell us about yourself. Sure. Uh, so my name's Nick Lemon. I'm a BCBA. Been a BCBA um, coming up on my fifth year. I was certified in September 2014. Originally uh, was working in New York and Massachusetts, but I actually moved to uh, the United Arab Emirates in Dubai in uh, March 2015, and ever since then I've been practicing in the ABA field out here. How did you end up in Dubai? How did that transition happen? So, you know, I, I lived in uh, northern New York and Massachusetts my whole life, and they are known for having horrible winters, and I'm not a big winter fan. So um, I was really looking for a move to a warmer area, and I saw that there was a job opening in, in Dubai for a BCBA. And what was unique about the position was there was a lot of outreach opportunities and training people on what ABA is, because in most parts of the world outside the U.S., ABA is still relatively relatively new approach. So it looked like a really interesting opportunity for me. So I interviewed, I ended up getting it, and it just made sense at that particular time. So I moved on over, and I wasn't sure what to think about it because it's a completely different culture. Uh, it's very, very different than the United States. But um, I responded really well to it. I really I fell in love with the culture and the area very quickly. And, um, yeah, I've been here for... I uh, just had my four-year anniversary, and I plan to spend a couple more years over here. Well, happy anniversary. I guess if you're looking to get away from the snow, <laughs> that's definitely a good place to go. Well, but, but particularly in the summer when it's about 120 degrees outside. Oh, so, uh, yes. <laughs> the thing from a winter than <laughs> Can you tell people a little bit about, you know, the cultural differences and things um, for people that are interested in working over there? Yeah, well, the, the first thing is there's lots of opportunities um, all around the world, uh, not just the Middle East, but um, the Middle East is definitely an area that, that is growing as far as ABA goes. What is unique with the Middle East is that there is no insurance funding, and that can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. The blessing is you're not beholden to insurance companies, but the curse, obviously, is there's a lot of people that can't afford our services, so therein lies the challenge. Um, so there are those issues. But other than that, um, people in this part of the world are really receptive to services. Um, and that's always been my, I guess, my, my biggest misconception is that I felt that parents, particularly outside of the states, might not be as receptive to our services. But actually some of the, the best parent training sessions I've ever had are with parents who are, who are in the Middle East. What does the diagnosis process look like? So it's a little, it's, it could be better. Um, right now, the formal diagnosis has to be done by a medical doctor, um, pediatrician, or a doctor-level psychologist. What we are finding here, however, though, is because there's not as many uh, certified doctors and doctor-level psychologists over here, we're finding that other professionals, like speech language pathologists, not occasional therapists, are also diagnosing, which obviously can become problematic because they're not traditionally trained in diagnostics. So we're having some challenges getting children properly diagnosed, or some children may be diagnosed and may in fact not have the diagnosis themselves. How would you describe kind of the level of autism awareness and even just screening tools in the area? 
It's what's really unique in this part of the world is that there there are social stigmas associated with autism. It's not uncommon for parents to be told, if your child has autism, keep them inside. Don't mm-hmm. do anything about it. Don't let anyone know that your child has autism. It's really unfortunate. So there's still that stigma in this part of the world, and um, it is important for more autism awareness initiatives. So we, at my company, we are always trying to to do those things to try to shift that narrative, but uh, it is tricky. Again, that's one of the biggest challenges that we do have is just getting parents in the door to get assessments because the, the culture sometimes dictates don't even take that step. Can you tell people a little bit about your company and just kind of the culture and the services that you offer? Yeah, so I work at a company called Autism Rocks, uh, where we provide ABA speech and occupational therapy services. And um, what's, what's unique about our center is that we really do focus on the initiative part of helping educate people what autism is. I actually did, um, last month for Autism Awareness Month, I did some presentations for children, just presenting the five- to seven-year-olds and what autism is, which is a really unique exercise for me because I'm so used to presenting to adults and professionals, so presenting to a, a five- and seven-year-old is completely outside my wheelhouse, but... Um, I think we did a pretty good job with that. But our focus is on just really educating people on what autism is, and more importantly, what services are out there to help their child when they are diagnosed. That sounds like it's really needed in the area, especially with the stigma and the lack of resources. Absolutely, yeah. And I think what we're doing is, you know, it's going to be hard to shift that narrative, but it's just, you know, presentation after presentation, if we can reach a couple people at a time, that really is a good step in our direction. So what age groups do you guys see at your clinic? So we work up until the age of 18. Um, the other challenge we see here in the Middle East, and I think this is probably a challenge in the States as well, is that there's so many services for early intervention. Um, however, for the older guys, there's not, not really many services out there. So um, particularly here in Dubai, what we tend to see is that the focus is on ages you know, three to four up until the age of, of eight or nine. And then after that, there's a huge drop-off. I can count on one hand how many centers provide services for children of that age. So there's a huge need for that, and um, that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're catering more towards that age group of providing those services. Are you able to see ABA, you know, on that side of the world? Are you seeing a lot of technicians and BCBAs that are just coming from the States, or are you seeing people over there that are also choosing this profession? Yeah, not, not too. There's a couple people from the States, but again, I could probably count on one hand how many people are over here. Um, what, what is unique is that we're seeing people from all around the world learning about ABA and becoming BCBAs and BCABAs. We have people from the Philippines, India, the UK, um, who are now being exposed to ABA and being trained on it. And that's really one of the most important things. It's one thing to import people over to, to provide these services, but at the end of the day, they, they most likely will go back home. And the, the focus has got to be on how we can train this particular culture on these services. Right now in the UAE, there's only one college that provides in-person EDA programs. So I'm hoping to see a shift in that soon because it, it is so much needed for this area. Um, what would you say to individuals? You know, I see job postings all the time for BCBAs in Dubai, individuals that are interested in taking the leap and moving over there um, to provide services. Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, I 
definitely have some advice for that. Um, the one thing I would caution people on is if, if you just got your BCBA, I suggest resist making the move right away. Um, what tends to happen is, um, obviously, um, a lot of these centers in, in Dubai are run purely from a, a business perspective. And if there's a BCBA that's still a little green who may have had a lot of experience supervising, they can potentially be put in some unethical situations. And I'm aware of some BCBAs here who may come from Ireland or the UK, they newly certified, and they'll start working at a center and their their boss will say, well, you need a caseload of 40 children. Oh my. And they don't have the, the, the wherewithal to say, no, uh, that's that I can't do that. They get into situations and over their head because they just don't have the experience. So I think it's really important to be experienced. Um, I think it's also important to get to know the company and if possible, talk to people who work within the company to get a sense of what the culture and the worldview is. Because um, just like in the States, there's some good centers, there's some bad centers. Certainly the case over here, I think the bigger challenge is if you're moving 7,000 miles away, um, it can become a challenge once you make that move and discover how this environment is. So I think it's really important to do your due diligence as far as trying to understand the workplace culture, what specifically you're going to be doing. Um, and by doing that, I think it'll make a, you'll be able to make a better uh, decision as far as, you know, if, if this is right for me or not. What was it like for you to find housing, um, to make friends over there, to really embrace the culture? What was that transition like for you? It's really interesting. You know, here, here in Dubai, um, rent is paid yearly. So you don't have monthly rent here, which I oh, found wow. very, very odd. Um, so what you have to do in that case, if you can't afford a place for a year, which most people can't, is that you rent a room within a villa. So that's what I did for the first couple of months I was here. Um, and it was a very interesting experience because you're living with people all around the world. And I kind of actually liked it because you're exposed to a lot of a lot of different people. Um, it's a big culture shock. You know, the thing with Dubai is 90% of Dubai is made up of expats. It's from people all around the world who are away from home. So in that regard, it's kind of nice to interact with people and get to get to know others. So it is nice from that perspective. Um, I think the biggest challenge was the culture, just being aware of certain cultural differences. Um, so, for example, right now it's Ramadan. So during Ramadan, um, people will not eat from the beginning of the morning, like 5 o'clock until 7 o'clock at night, which means all restaurants are closed. It means you cannot eat in public. So... Those kinds of things, you know, just being aware of those. Um, and getting a haircut, for example, there's different salons. A man cannot have their haircut in the same place as a woman. Um, there are a lot of gyms that are just for males versus females. But those kinds of things. It's, it's, a, it's just a little bit of culture shock, but after a while, you get used to it. What kind of things do you do for fun? Well, the, the great thing about living in Dubai is that it's got the world's uh, biggest mall. It's got the world's biggest picture frame. They built a, a huge picture frame that you can literally go in. Um, I'm two and a half minutes away from a beach with perfect beach weather, you know, 12 months a year. So there's so many things you can do in, in, in Dubai itself. Um, so you're never at a loss for 
Do most companies um, provide moving assistance, or was that something that BCBAs typically have to fund themselves? It depends. Uh, some companies will uh, prepay your plane ticket over, while others won't. Um, so it really depends on the on the company themselves. Um, some companies will also provide um, one month in a hotel, which is what which is what I did um, when I first came over. I was able to live in a hotel for a month, which was the most surreal experience in the world, having someone make your bed every single day. Um, it was very nice. But, um, yeah, that does happen from uh, company to company, just depending on, on what their situation is and what they ultimately do. Do you mainly see BCBAs that take these job offers, or do you see any BCABAs or RBTs that make these transitions? So, so yeah, it, it depends. Um, we we have, do hire some therapists uh, from the States, from the U.K., um, a lot of people are already here. What, what is nice is that in um, probably two, when I came over 2015, 2015, 2016, we're spending a lot more resources on having people from the States come over. And now recently what we've been trying to do is um, hire people here and train them so that they can then provide the services uh, themselves. But it's really all, all over the gamut. And what is nice about Dubai is that there's it's a pretty nice job market, so there are jobs available for, for all those roles. You're also in the ABA study group. That's how we were connected. Can you tell us how um, you found that study group and kind of your role? Yeah, sure. So I'm one of the admins there. Um, I listened to the, the podcast with Ashley. I think Ashley did an amazing job of outlining the group. Um, so I got from my exam in uh, September 2014, and um, I just remember, you know, the process going up to the exam was a really stressful one for me because I felt like I was an island on, on my own. Yeah, um, and it was really tough because on social media particularly, there weren't a lot of good supportive environments to learn, I felt. You know, there were two major, back then in 2014, I think there were two major Facebook groups. And um, whenever you'd ask a question, it was almost like feeding meat to the lion's den. You know, you just ask a question and people would just attack and it was just really a really unfortunate landscape so what what would happen is when I became a BCBA I just decided you know I'm going to stand up for the people that are trying to learn because the BCBAs are just being very like it was just like attacking it just didn't seem very productive Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel like I was anyone to say anything because I wasn't a BCBA so when I became a BCBA I decided well if somebody says you know, something negative, I'm going to stand up and say that that's wrong. So what would happen is I would go into study groups and I would, I would stick up for the students. I'd say, you know, you're, you're being inappropriate by saying this question is stupid or whatever the case was, and they throw me out of the group. <laughs> so I was thrown out of about five or six different Facebook groups because I was, I was standing up to that kind of stuff. So I was in ABA study group. I think there was like 300 people at the time. And the same thing was happening. There was a, a BCBA in there who was just being really rude to the students, and I, and I said something. And instead of being thrown out of the group, Ashley actually approached me and asked me to be an admin, which is a completely different reaction than I was typically used to because she also wanted a very positive group because she was trying to learn, and one of her biggest challenges was, well, people are so negative, let's focus on being positive. That's one so of the reasons we love her. We, I, I was an, yeah, exactly, exactly. 
So we started the study group, and it's, it's been a really positive experience. I think what's, what's nice now is that we've created a condition where um, it's a very friendly environment where people are not going back and forth with one another. And we also get to do a lot of free interactive Zoom study sessions, which is I have a blast doing, but a lot of our other admins do them. It's completely free, and uh, people really respond well to them. Well, I just want to say thank you, you know, for taking a stand, for having that positive environment where students are able to learn, because you're only going to have better quality BCBAs if they're getting the feedback that they need. So that is awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you, you just see people trying to learn. Like, you're trying to become a BCBA, and you just assume that, well, you know, it, it's really complex stuff to support them, but that's not always the case. But, yeah, that's, that is one of the nice features of our study group is that we try to create that condition where people can can study and get the resources that they need. Do you ever um, see supervisees come to Dubai to get their supervision? Some do, yeah. And um, I don't mean to plug my own center, but that is a feature that we offer as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it is a nice place to to do that. I I think for, for people that are looking for that kind of experience, just make sure you do your research on the company because... Um, if you are going to go to a company where the BCBA has a case of 40 to 50, that's probably not going to produce the supervision experience that you're looking for, whereas there are some other ones that um, are consistent with uh, ethical guidelines for the BACB and um, you can get a much better supervision experience. Do you have any tips for individuals that are doing research for which company to work for, whether it's in the States or in you know across the seas, on how to find an ethical company? Yeah, sure. Um, so to find an ethical company, really, I would just at first ask um, the BCBA to um, RBT ratio. Um, also identifying how many clients are there also can, can assist as far as identifying what the supervision ratios uh, would be. Also, I think just speaking with the, um, the owner, whoever you're doing the interview with, as far as service delivery goes, as far as um, are you doing parent training? How often do you do BCBA supervision? Because there are some centers, particularly in this part of the world, that don't do either BCBA supervision nor parent training. So just identifying if those things are even happening and the frequency of them, and I think that will kind of point you in the right direction as to if it's a ethical service provider or not. Those are great tips. What about individuals that are studying for the BCBA exam or the BCABA exam? Are there any resources that you really love? Well, I, I definitely encourage our group, ABA study group. Um, I, I think that the biggest misconception that people have is that you have to buy a study product. Now, there are great study products out there. I used um, the BDS module and passed the big ABA. I, lo- I love both of those products. I could sit here all day telling you how wonderful they are. Um, and if you are looking for a product, those are, those are two solid ones to check out. But I do think a lot of people feel that, well, by purchasing a study product equates them passing the exam or it's this thing that you have to get. It's really not, not always the case. What I always suggest people do is form your own study groups. Um, I've seen a lot of people, what they would do is get six or seven people together, meet three times a week from like you know, seven to eight o'clock at night, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, let's just say. Um, and by doing that, that actually produces really good outcomes because you, you have to think about this. You know, somebody who's about to sit for the exam, 
that's probably the most knowledgeable person in ABA at that particular point because they spent the last two years just studying everything ABA. And you get six to seven people with that similar profile, like nothing's going to stop you. Like you're going to have really, really good outcomes. I always encourage people to try to set up your own study groups. Uh, just get the task list out. Go through the task list, cite primary resources, and um, you'll actually have some pretty good success doing that. Wonderful. What about advice for individuals that are thinking about entering the field of ABA? It's one of the most amazing fields in the world. I always tell people if you're somewhat interested in in applied behavioral analysis, this seems interesting to you, uh, please pursue it. Uh, I do think that sometimes people have the misconception that it's easy, and it's certainly not the case. It's really hard stuff. It's really complicated stuff. Um, I remember when I first started uh, learning ABA, and I, I had the hardest time understanding that classic um, headache, the aspirin example with negative reinforcement. I just I couldn't conceptually understand it. And sometimes at, at the onset, people just want to give up because it's so complicated. But I really encourage people not to do that, just to continue to study. It's going to be a lot of hard work, but it's incredibly rewarding, and it's one of the most amazing professions in the world. You know, I, I truly love going to work every single day, and I think there's a lot of people in this field who, who feel the same way. And um, it's just such a great, great career, very hard career. Um, it's going to take a lot of time to become certified, to get your master's degree, but uh, if you take it day by day and just really keep studying and work hard, uh, you will definitely achieve what you want to, want to achieve. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so interesting to hear about what it's like in Dubai to be a BCBA in the field on that side of the world. And once again, thank you so much for everything that you contribute in the ABA study group. I know that makes a big difference for current BCBAs and those that are studying to become BCBAs just to have that supportive environment. I appreciate that. Thank you. We'll have to have you on again. Thank you so much for your time. Great. Thank you. And for everyone that's listening, thank you so much. Uh, Make sure to check out the ABA study group um, and check us out next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Peace of Hope podcast. To learn more about Peace of Hope or to donate to a Peace of Hope scholarship fund, visit com forward slash Peace of Hope. Join us next week for more stories, conversations, and advice from the autism community for the autism community.